Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 623rd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com and locally at Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game for you, the American fans. Uh, chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And the preseason is underway for Major League Soccer. It is a excellent time to see or hopefully to see what some of these clubs are going to be doing if you're able to watch your clubs in this preseason tournament before we get to those <coughs> excuse me invitational tournaments like Coachella uh Carolina Challenge Cup and of course uh what might be happening down at Walt Disney World at the Disney's uh Wide World of Sports Complex uh hopefully uh it will be going on but uh, of course let's not forget the Coachella Valley tournament that's going on as well and of course next month very soon we will be getting into the CONCACAF Champions Cup first and second legs of the opening round the brand new first round of that tournament and also for those of you that are curious to know CONCACAF World Cup qualification draw will begin this Thursday on online uh, through FIFA at their FIFA Plus section uh, I also understand it might be broadcasted both in English and Spanish, uh, guessing, of course, Fox and uh, uh, Univision's TUDN, uh, but stay in tune to uh, who and what stations will have it, of course. Once again, I would guess TUDN, also probably Univision, as well as Fox Sports 1 for World Cup qualifying draw which will be this Thursday. And, of course, it's going to all start in March where the bottom four drawn teams will be facing each other in goal aggregate qualification. That will be Anguilla versus Turks and Caicos. And then the Battle of the Virgin Islands as the U.S. Virgin Islands will take on the British Virgin Islands. And the first-round winners will be joining the second-round teams, the remaining 30 teams, which will go from... Uh, the first four to two, then the two added on will be the 32 teams. So once again, uh, it will start off at 7 o'clock Central European time, 1 p.m. in the afternoon on the East Coast, 10 a.m. Pacific time. And once again, that will be this Thursday, January 25th, for World Cup qualification draw to see who will go where in the second round and so on. But once again, preseason is underway. And as of right now, the only club that's broadcasting there or at least being shown their preseason matches is Inter-Miami. Now, why is that? 
Messi, of course. Now, look, obviously, taking advantage of the Lionel Messi situation, but I don't remember having the streams for David Beckham during preseason with the Galaxy, Thierry Henry with the New York Red Bulls. They were big names. Maybe here and there, depending on who was doing the streaming. But MLS, all of a sudden, is going to stream inter-Miami preseason games. And everyone else can go kick rocks. Is that fair to you? Is that fair to you if you are not an inter-Miami supporter? No, it's not. Sure. They had their last preseason friendly against FC Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. Now, to be fair, the weather was not great. The weather definitely was not great in Dallas for that preseason friendly. But still, though, you thought that the Messi lovers would fill up that stadium, the old Cotton Bowl. And unfortunately, it did not happen. But once again, why is it such a failure to only show Messi and Miami when I think everyone else should be shown during the preseason as well? Shouldn't you? Don't you think so? I think so. I would like to think so, but you know. It, it, it's really very, very disingenuous by Major League Soccer to only show Inter-Miami in the preseason and nobody else. Just because it's messy. It's wrong. It's terrible. It makes no sense. But, as always... When you try to make it make sense, it's really simple. It's Lionel Messi. It's dollar signs. You watch these games, you're really watching it for him. And I just think it's wrong. We should not cater to one team for early preseason games to be streamed or shown just because it's him every other club should be allowed to stream their pre-season games to give everyone a chance to see what's in front of them to start the season but it's not going to happen and that's wrong now look I I don't want to jump on Major League Soccer on everything negative obviously but look when there's something silly and stupid being done, you have to call it out for what it is. Silly and stupid. Are we going to wait till we get to the invitational tournaments? More towards the month of February? Shouldn't have to be. It really shouldn't have to be. But that's where we're going. I think... It's time for Major League Soccer 
to let go about the not streaming early preseason matches and just allow it to happen. Let the club set up a stream. Let them do it so that we can all watch and we can all enjoy it. Because we want to see the individual performances to be ready for the season that's upcoming that's going to start at the end of February of 2024. From the 21st through the 25th, a bunch of matches getting ready to start the brand new season. That's all I'm saying. Until we fix that, I don't know how much more we can go. So come on, MLS. Show the games. All preseason games. Let the clubs broadcast and stream their own matches before we get to these invitational tournaments. Okay? I don't think it's a big request to ask, but I think it's better if we go ahead and start doing this now. It's not just messy mania. It is MLS mania. That's what it's supposed to be. But, hey, what do I know? I just host a show, and I cover the, and I cover the league, and I cover the Red Bulls, and I cover the sport. So we'll see about that. But also, sticking with Miami, you know, just found out here from James Knowlton, who writes for World Soccer, the BBC, The Guardian, and now for Forbes. I just saw this X, however you want to call it. You know, I don't, I'm not here to put a scare into any fan base, depending on who they transfer over to their club. But when I saw Luis Suarez walking out onto training, in Fort Lauderdale, around the DRV PNK facility. He didn't look too good. And to be honest with you, I'm scared for Inter-Miami supporters. And now I know why. And I think you should be too, if you support Inter-Miami. From James Knowlton, who wrote this tweet. Luis Suarez has said it takes him three days to prepare for a game, taking painkillers for knee pain. Inter-Miami just played him in two exhibition games in three days, which doesn't seem wise. Maybe they should just save whatever he has left for the competitive games. Let me say this right now. Look. Luis Suarez is still a big name, and I understand. The vampire, I know, I know, look, look, he's never going to live that down for what he did with the biting and stuff, okay? But I'm telling you right now, and I have not looked to see, obviously he's over 30 years old. He's probably over 35 by now, Luis Suarez. But... If he's going to throw some painkillers in his mouth and swallow them, and it takes him three days to prepare for a match, 
What is Miami doing? Seriously, are, are we just bringing in the name just to make him happy, but at the same time, are you going to use him and maybe he gets injured and maybe he blows out a knee? Is that really smart investment? Do you care? Not just as a Miami supporter, but do you care as an MLS supporter that we are going to have damaged goods coming to the league at this advanced age? Are we making Messi happy? Are we still thinking this is a super team or a big name team or former Barcelona team? Or are we thinking this whole situation could fall apart? Look, if Messi's happy that Suarez is with him in Miami, good for him. God bless him. Enjoy the time. Okay? You've got Busquets. You've got Alba. Now you have Suarez. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, if if Luis Suarez cannot run anymore, and he's got to pop in painkillers just to to make the thing go away and help him train for a match, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no friggin' sense to bring in a guy like that and then he'll be playing either at home at DRV PNK Stadium or anywhere on the road and you know roster rotation because of the fixture congestion I don't think he's going to be able to do anything and everything all in one shot here I don't think he can play an entire season I think you're going to really have to rest him here and there But other than that, to me, after reading what James Knowlton reported, I think he's damaged goods, and I think he's just retired. I mean, look, if he's going to try and, you know, brave it and go forward, I hope this is the last year. But the truth of the matter is is this. I think he should have just called it quits because it's not good for him. And it's not good if you're an Inter-Miami supporter. Great show for you tonight as we get ready to talk about American soccer here on the Forest Inspire American Soccer Show. Joining me right now, my first guest, of course, writing at the Kansas City Soccer Journal, my good friend Mike Kuhn covering Sporting Kansas City as we talk about a big blunder, but at the same time, just a head-scratcher because they're going to move their home match against Inter-Miami from the confines of Children's Mercy Park to Arrowhead Stadium. CUNY, good evening. Hope you and your family are well, and how are you, sir? Doing well, Daniel. Doing well. How are you? Doing very well. CUNY, listen, um, you know, I've been having uh, very, very sad thoughts every time I have to read an article or a story that some MLS teams are leaving their soccer-specific stadiums and taking, whether it be a derby match or a match that Sporting Kansas City is going to do to move back to a college football or an NFL stadium when Children's Mercy Park 
should be the venue when Inter-Miami plays Sporting Kansas City and when Lionel Messi comes to the Kansas City area? No, I mean, so that was the whole reason you built Children's Mercy Park to begin with, was to to show it off, to have it be on the grand stage. It, it It's why national team games haven't been moved to Arrowhead from Children's Mercy Park. It's why the St. Louis games are at Children's Mercy Park, not Arrowhead. It's why MLS Cup was at Children's Mercy Park, not Arrowhead. It's because you want to show off your stadium. You want to show off what you've built, what you what you have here. And what Sporting did is decided that they, un, under the guise of wanting more people to come to being be able to come to the game, moved it to Arrowhead and raised the prices exponentially. It's terrible. It's disgusting. And it really, really – and look, I, I don't blame you at all. I'm not happy about this either, CUNY. And, and let's be fair here and honest. As great of a venue as Children's Mercy Park is, and I'm happy for you. I'm happy for every sporting Kansas City supporter, uh, even when they were the Wizards or the Wiz, you know, finally having their own stadium. Granted, it's not in Missouri. It's in, it's in Kansas. But still, though, it does not matter. The, it was built – for the only purpose it should only have, soccer. Now, granted, you could have other venue, other events there as well, and that's fine and dandy. But if the owners of the venue are wanting to expand the capacity, I'm assuming that they can do so. No, I mean, they, they had. We, we heard when the stadium was built and back when – uh, the club was doing their 100-game or whatever, uh, however long it was, sellout streak, that this, the stadium was technically designed to be expanded to to uh, 25,000, if I remember correctly, which basically raised the roof on the north stand and east stand and add um, more seating above those two areas, basically. Um, I don't remember ever hearing how long that process would have actually taken. But, no, there there is the ability for the stadium to be expanded if ownership wanted to. Yeah. And and right now, and look, don't get me wrong, it, it's great that Messi's in Major League Soccer. It's great that he's playing on our, uh, on our pitches in every stadium that is associated with the league. I'm happy about it. But now, what, I mean, what does this entail? Are we – is Sporting Kansas City tailoring to their supporters or are they tailoring for people to travel all around the world, come to Arrowhead Stadium just to watch Messi play? I mean it, it's the latter. They, they, they say – they advertise that it's to get more people to be able to see the team, but the, the game – moving the game isn't about – the team it's not about sporting it's about wanting to cash in on Messi. he will be in kansas city for that game even if um when we do play him because they they, hopefully for miami fans they'll be playing a uh, concacaf champions cup game the midweek before against um 
presumably Monterey at that point. So it will. Th- there's a good chance that Messi may not even be may not even travel to Kansas City for the game. Exactly, and that's the big thing right there. I mean, it's just you know, um, it's funny. Last year when Messi went through his start here in MLS last year. He started the first match off the bench in the League's Cup, got them all the way to the final and won it, and then had to travel midweek to Cincinnati to be in the Open Cup semifinals at TQL Stadium and play the entire match, 90 minutes, got the equalizers, uh, played in the extra time, both halves, converted his penalty in the shootout, then had to go to Red Bull Arena for his first official Major League Soccer match, and he never started, and yet he came in after the 60th minute, and everyone was complaining that, why is Messi not in this game? Why hasn't he played? I came here to watch Messi play, and I only saw him for 30 minutes. Well, you know, that's not the Red Bull's job. That's the job of the head coach to manage his minutes because he just got there. And he had to play in the League's Cup just to, you know, satisfy Don Garber and league executives and everything. So, I mean, if that happens, CUNY, you can't really blame Sporting Kansas City for this because that's up to Tata Martino to manage his minutes. No, no, you can't blame him if he doesn't play, but you can then in turn blame Sporting for taking the 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 cash grab basically at Arrowhead and – uh, wanting to get the money that way. I mean, it, it's the the way I've looked at it since um, since the move was announced was back in uh, 2007, Sporting Sporting's last year in Arrowhead as the Wizards, um, and at, and uh, then 2008 they had the David Beckham game in 2007 was at Arrowhead, their final year at Arrowhead. And then 2008, they moved their games from Cab, where they were playing that year, to Arrowhead for the David Beckham game. Now, the first game, he uh, he didn't play. That, w- that was the whole big uh, injury, and he, he was shelved for the rest of the year. And they had the largest home crowd that Sporting has ever had or close to it at that point. And I mean, they had to make it into an event instead of, instead of showcasing Beckham, they, they had to scramble and make it a, try to make it an event for the fans because there was no um, star attraction. Like the, the part I remember, I think I remember most is they had somebody stand in the upper deck on a jet pack and deliver the game ball via jet pack as some sort of, extravaganza for it basically so it it's a you can the team no matter what happens can end up with egg on their face if Messi doesn't play yep exactly let's move on to other things quickly obviously gavin wilkerson the the former uh sporting director of the portland timbers of mls and the portland thorns of the nwsl uh Surprisingly, in his uh, in his part in the entire scandal that happened with the NWSL players, um, 
was hired to be the new sporting director of Sporting Kansas City and uh, to give Peter Vermees uh, a break from that job. And then obviously that made everybody upset at Kansas City who supports the club. But then a couple of, was it maybe a couple of days later, uh, Gavin Wilkerson uh, and the club parted ways. What make, make sense of this? Why would they bring him in to fill that so, role when th- there could have been others that could have filled that position? Why they picked Wilkinson is something that is still kind of a question among the Kansas City fan base, basically, at, at this point, because they, they talked about... Um, they talked about needing to take uh, – Mike Illig in his opening statement said they needed to take some stuff off Peter's plate. He was just too much going on, and I think it was – in the end, it was also partly fallout from the start to uh, the last season, basically. And so mm-hmm. they went about the process, got a hiring firm in, and according to The Athletic, Wilkinson was a finalist along with Dennis Hamlet and uh, I am – I continually blank on his name every time I talk about it. Uh, Orlando City's um, assistant technical director was uh, mm-hmm. an- another finalist, and they ended up choosing Wilkinson. And after the fact, the athletic came out and said the hiring firm didn't actually put Wilkinson's name up for the position. So if, if that's true, it was somebody within can- sporting that had decided that uh, Wilkinson should be a candidate and then be the guy that they try that that they wanted to hire in, in the end i've never seen the fan base more united in a non-soccer capacity than i did when wilkinson was announced as the technical director i've never seen something so united from this even the name change even with even with certain players it you never have the amount of voices all on one side of the conversation with this fan base. And listen, I applaud them. I really applaud them because, you know, someone like that should never be allowed back into, um, into a role like this. You know, look, I mean, look, uh, normally I would be like, you know, give him a second chance, let him learn from what he's made, let him learn from the mistakes he's made and give him a second opportunity. But, but, what happened in the NWSL for as long as it did, and he was a part of it in Portland, I say no, no, he doesn't deserve a second chance. He should no longer be allowed back being a part well, of a front office. The, the, way I, the way I look at it, because second chances was a big part of uh, Illig and Vermes and Wilkinson's whole spiel in the introductory press conference, the, the way I look at it is they kept saying he deserved a second chance. And you don't deserve second chances. You earn them. And all he yes. did to earn that, earn it, in, in, at least according to Sporting, was he took a, an online course from Cornell and he sat 15 months outside the game. To me, that's not enough to earn a second chance in basically the same job that you'd had previously, same level. Now, if you want to yep. go back to – if you want to go down to USL Championship, if you want to go down to USL 1, not be the main guy and then work your way up, prove that you're not um, – pr- prove that you're, you've changed, prove that you're not going to have an I- issue like, uh, they, like they did with Riley and the Thorns, 
or with Polo and uh, the Timbers and that whole situation. Prove all that, and then maybe you can work your way back up to the, the top level. Work your way back up to MLS. I don't think I would ever put him back in the NWSL personally, but I don't want to say never to get back at that the level that he, he was at, but he certainly can't start back at the same level that he did, especially with what he, he's done after the uh, after being fired by the Timbers and Thorns. Exactly. No, you're absolutely correct. That's what that's that's what he should have done. Absolutely. And unfortunately, um, you know, look, uh, finally the right thing the right thing happened. Uh, he decided to leave. And uh, like you said, if he wants to go down to USL League One or even League Two, he wants to go to NISA or MPSL or USL Championship and be in a lower position, I agree with you, CUNY. He should just start there, stay there for at least a couple of years, and then if his, he does learn his lesson, then if MLS Club wants to bring him back up after a couple of years, not after a couple of months, then give him that opportunity for the second uh, chance. Um, but as always, CUNY, I always appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you again for your words of wisdom and your insights with the club. I uh, hope to talk to you again during the season, and uh, you take care and hope all you and your family are doing well. Sounds good. Talk to you next time, Daniel. All right. Mike Kuhn from Kansas City Soccer Journal talking to us about the situation with Sporting Kansas City. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on to my next guest. He is a part of the USL show. Of course, he also talks tactics. This is Mr. John Morrissey as we discuss the surprise purchase of the Las Vegas Lights of former Major League Baseball slugger Jose Bautista. John, good evening, and how are you, sir? Doing really well. Happy to be talking about, I, th- I think, a new story that nobody saw coming. You never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. Now, granted, granted, um, I did catch an article from uh, a gentleman that's covering the Las Vegas situation, uh, whether it be sports or the gambling or the entertainment or the food and drinks, whatever that goes on over there, that the original owner was ready to sell the lights he informed the mayor of las vegas that he's going to sell the lights but then all of a sudden when i saw that article you know one day then all of a sudden the next day boom jose bautista what the hell happened yeah i mean it went from this stage of well it went for multiple years really of the lights gradually kind of being run into the ground by brett lashbrook in that last regime This was a team that in their first year in Las Vegas drew almost 8,000 fans, and they really brought this fresh approach to the way that they tried to market themselves. And you could call it silly, but the fact that they were dropping money from helicopters and had live llamas at the stadium, that was something that brought them attention in a very crowded entertainment market in Las Vegas and across the country. And then, for whatever reason, Lashbrook loses interest. They eventually lose their affiliation with LAFC. Suddenly, you get to this year, and, I mean, what, three out of the six years they've been around, they finished dead last in their conference or their regional division. It just kind of grew tiresome, and it really seemed like this was the team 
that was likelier to fold than end up in good hands. And so out of the blue to have Jose Bautista, somebody with a real reputation as a competitor and with deep pockets coming in to take over this club, it's a real coup for the USL. You know, I want to throw this at you because we all know last year, Dominique Wilkins became a part of the ownership group of Birmingham Legion. And do you think that was a part of Jose Bautista saying, you know what, I want to grow and be a part of this, but I want to do it at the USL championship level? Yeah, I think that's absolutely part of it. I think the idea that former athletes can get involved in something that lets them kind of stay in the realm of competitiveness while also getting a real return on investment. And when you see someone like a Dominique Wilkins who has that track record, but even think about a Brandon McCarthy who came from Major League Baseball and is really involved in the day-to-day operations and the ownership group with Phoenix Rising. There's a precedent here where even if you made the money that a professional athlete of Bautista's stature made during his playing career, you can't get into MLS at this stage. It's simply a billionaire's game. And so to have the USL as that in-between, to see the forebears in that regard, it made it an attractive option for him. This is amazing. Of course, I have the press release here from the club. I mean, he's established himself as an active and thoughtful investor, board member, philanthropist, <clears throat> excuse me, entrepreneur. He's He's been a part of significant brands in the U.S. and even in Canada, like Audi, Hublot, which is a watch company, Coca-Cola, TD Bank, Fanatics, General Mills, the Players' Tribune, Silver Jeans, Booster Juice in Canada, Pizza Pizza in Canada, and New Balance. I mean – to me, it looks like he has spent his money wisely. He's gotten involved with certain products wisely. And just to see him now raising a scarf over his head that has the Las Vegas lights on it and USL Championship logo on it, that's just been unbelievable that he is definitely getting involved with the game, especially in Las Vegas. Yeah, and set aside the fact that he's Jose Bautista, and if you know anything about baseball, you've heard of the guy's name. That investment experience that he brings to the table, and the fact that he's really taken a serious interest in the finance world. He's um, he was a main investor in Marucci Sports, which sold for six hundred million. In addition to those other equities that you mentioned, like this is a guy who knows what he's doing financially. And I think it speaks to the fact that the USL is a good place to be and is on stable footing, that he wants to throw his money and throw his brand into the league in a really visible way like this. I think it's just, it's just a great situation for him and for Las Vegas. Absolutely. And here's the thing I hope he's going to do. Now, let me say this. I think you know as well as I do that stadiums are a very important thing to have not just in Major League Soccer, but for all levels in American soccer, USL Championship. We all know Indy 11 is building a stadium. We all know Rhode Island FC, the new expansion team for this year, is building a stadium. Um, We all know that Lexington SC and USL League One is building a stadium right Mm -hmm. now. 
We all also know that Northern Colorado Hailstorm is also building a stadium within that sporting complex, so that's even fantastic. And I'm not saying Cashman Field is a bad place to be. Look, I'm happy it's a stadium, but it's a former minor league baseball stadium. Do you think that maybe he is going to try and attempt a redesign of the stadium and fill in where the outfield used to be. Because let's be honest, between right and center field of Cashman Park, or Cashman Field, whatever they call it, that's got to be filled in. they got to bring in more seats. I'm not saying it's got to be triple, triple decked or anything, but at least adding more seats to bring in more people to watch, it, to watch the games. Yeah, I think that absolutely has to be one of the initial steps that Bautista takes. If you watched every USL team play in seasons past, really the broadcast quality and the experience you would get as a viewer seeing the stadiums really has been on the rise across the board. And then there's Las Vegas, who consistently has the worst camera angles, the most broadcast delays, the worst field quality. All of it is a visible sign that this club wasn't being tended to. So for Batista, if he comes in, he revitalizes a stadium that is in a good location in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. and really follows, let's say, the model of the Tampa Bay Rowdies who converted a baseball stadium and made Al Lang a really great uh, facility by the standards of the USL Championship. There's ways to do it even in a converted baseball facility that make it up to the standard of a league that wants to grow like the USL wants to grow. So I think it's really the obvious opportunity to kind of put himself out there and show this is the visible way that I am improving this for everyone to see beyond the fact that the operations and everything else behind the scenes is obviously going to improve as well. Now, I want to say this because obviously we all know what Las Vegas is supposed to be. Sin City, big, big time gambling, big shows, whether, you know, the old Dean Martin shows, Sammy Davis Jr. shows, Frank Sinatra shows, you know, comedy shows, big boxing events. But now the sporting events have really taken off. Let's be honest. And we really cannot ignore what's been going on in Vegas. Obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights of the National Hockey League, the the Raiders of the National Football League, um, they still have their minor league baseball team going on. I know it's a different name now. It's no longer the 51s, but still, though, they have a brand new minor league ballpark. I think it's west, uh, the west side of Las Vegas. But, you know, they're also getting uh, – they've had the Gold Cup final there where the U.S. beat Mexico 1-0 in extra time. The CONCACAF Nations League was there last year. Now the Copa America will be having some games over there as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'll be having, I don't think they're going to be having any World Cup matches, but it was almost a threat of moving the games out away from SoFi to Vegas, but it looks like that might be rectified. What does this mean for soccer fans now that, you know, it looks like the lights are saved and now the lights are going to be part, really now, a part of the sports fabric in Las Vegas? I think the lights have a unique opportunity, and you make some really good points about the way that the market has gone from underserved to oversaturated in Las Vegas really pretty much overnight. And I think the Golden Knights are a good example of the way that you can bring in a top-tier product, a league like the NHL, that is a bit corporate and less communal than something you would expect in lower league soccer, 
but the Golden Knights have done a good job of trying to make it feel a little bit more homegrown and really repping the city of Las Vegas. I have my worries that the NFL and the ownership group of the A's, they're not going to have that same touch. So if Bautista can keep up the marketing sense of flash and something that captures Las Vegas, while also staying cognizant of the fact that there's a real niche for actual locals in the city of Las Vegas who've never really been represented by a club to have something that they can go and support in a really personal sort of manner. I think that ought to be the goal because there is still a niche, despite the fact that you think about so much of that Rat Pack style entertainment, all of the shows and everything. Las Vegas is a city like any other with a whole lot of people who don't engage with that. So the lights really have a niche that they can fill if they want to. Absolutely. And I think what they also need to do is this. And I, and I, I, I believe that he is a smart businessman, Jose Bautista, because what you're really going to have to do is it's not just, you know, you bring the llamas or you drop in a bunch of cash in, in the middle of the field and you let everyone dive in for it or something like that. Obviously, you don't you don't want to insult the intelligence of a supporter. You really want to bring in, you know, meaningful things for them to come over. But at the same time, a winning team does help and putting yes. a club like the lights to make, give them at least an open cup run would be even better uh, than, you know, whatever ideas normally would have been done by Lashbrook. But I will say this, I, you agree with me. I, I mean, I, I believe that this whole situation not only saved the club, but it saved the league as well, because now you don't have to worry about, having one cog be faulty. Now it's got a brand new oil can, brand new investment, brand new guy, and he knows what to do. No, and the trend of the USL, which has lost to San Diego Loyal, has lost some of the affiliate clubs in the West, has struggled to maintain that solid presence in the Pacific time zone, really. So to have Las Vegas as a stanchion where you can look at them, pair them with Phoenix and Orange County, and have real three institutions out there, Sacramento as well, and say, hey, we aren't going to be continuing to lose clubs. We have something solid, and we're going to stick at 24 teams no matter what, and 24 solid teams at that. It says a lot about the fact that this league can be sustainable and that it's avoiding the bad PR that comes with losing teams year in and year out. It's a, it's a big thing to have someone like Bautista who's willing to put up the money and uh, bring that solidity. Now, let me throw this idea at you and let me know what you think. We all know that Bill Foley is the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. He also owns two clubs in Europe, and he's still – pursuing a, a third club that be, to have four in total. Now, look, we all know he originally wanted to bring an MLS or be a part of an MLS club here in Las yeah. Vegas, over there in Las Vegas. Now, and it didn't work because of the, you know, the, 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 the finances were too large for him, uh, you know, to build a soccer stadium from scratch. It was like too much. Do you think if Jose Bautista has enough pull, do you think maybe he'll contact Bill Foley and say, would you like to join me? My worry in all of this 
is that Batista is interested because he thinks it's a good investment on its own right, but also because mm -hmm. he thinks it can be a proof of concept where if the lights suddenly triple their attendance, start winning some games, establish themselves in that way, someone like a Foley might come and say, hey, be my partner. You can be part of this public face of the guy who brought soccer back to Las Vegas, and then we're going to turn this into an MLS bid. I would love it if someone like a Foley saw the USL as an opportunity in its own right. But I think the way that MLS time and again has been so territorial, has tried to kind of conquer the world in their own way, mm -hmm. they may see yep. Las Vegas, and given the trends of every other sport out there, wanting to get into that media market, it's something that you need to keep in the back of your mind that hopefully won't come to fruition. And that's why I think, you know, Foley may not go back to MLS. I would like to think that he would stay in USL Championship because um, you're still going to get great, you know, a great partner in Bautista. That's just how I see it. But mm -hmm. true, he could go the other way. You never know. But once again, the idea had to be thrown out there because you never know what's going on. But, you know, John, this has been – this news has been tremendous. And you were shocked. I was shocked. I could not believe what the hell was going on. And um, I'm just happy that Vegas has been saved. And I'm glad that Jose Bautista is going to be the one running the lights from here on out. Yep, absolutely. Excited to have this team looking good and competitive again and not – kind of be an embarrassment for the league. Absolutely. It's going to be so fantastic. I cannot wait. John, listen, thanks again for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Hopefully i have you back on again for more USL news. Uh, but obviously, great day for the United Soccer League's USL Championship and for the city of Las Vegas. The lights are now back on the map, and it's just fantastic to see. Thank you again for joining me, and have a good night. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Uh, all right, talk to you soon. John Morrissey from the USL show talking about the Las Vegas light situation with Jose Bautista. And that's the truth, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's not just MLS should be driving this. We should have everyone be healthy when it comes to the game in this country. And it's not just what we all think should be in, but what we all believe should be a part, a part of the fabric of the game here in the United States. I've kept saying this over and over and over. We cannot be separate. We have to be together. I'm not saying you have to join in here, here, there, there. What I'm saying is, is this. You can still support your club. You can still support your club no matter what league they're in. Okay? But we have to support the game as a whole. And the problem is we have two much division against each other. You can still, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, do whatever you want to do within your own league. But then, you know, when it's a MLS fan against a USL championship fan or a USL championship fan against a USL League One fan and such and such and so-and-so and vice versa, we're all in this together. We all want the sport to be healthy in this country. And we've got to make sure that we don't have clubs disappearing. Just recently, of course, Rio Grande Valley has said goodbye. And it's really a shame because 
I really thought that they were going to be a damn good club for a long period of time. And unfortunately, just they couldn't do it. As when the affiliation with the Dynamo ended and you thought they're going to survive on their own. No, nope, it didn't happen. Maybe it's time. Maybe it is time for someone else to come into Rio Grande Valley and uh, to take over that stadium and to take over the team and to bring it back in USL Championship. Maybe, maybe um, someone else wants to go in there. Uh, I mean, I would accept. I know it's that part of uh, the that part of the Texas, very close to the border of Mexico. If there's a Liga MX club or a Mexican football club that wants to uh, take over that stadium and use it as, you know, a, put a team in there and have uh, their players play there or find players to play there. I mean, listen, I say go for it. Uh, as long as they're investing, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Because once again, it is just absolutely fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic to see if someone will come in and find a way, find a way to go in there and bring a club back to life. Get them off the death list because we got to make sure that the sport is healthy, not just on an MLS level, not just on a USL championship level or a USL League One level or any other level. They all have to be together under one umbrella, and that is U.S. soccer. But at times, U.S. soccer has disappointed us. But the truth is, I am hoping, I am hoping things can change. And I'm also hoping that we will keep growing, not just in one league, in one division, all divisions, all leagues. We all have to be on the same page. Why? Because for the sport to grow and the sport to be at its best, all of us have to be healthy. All the clubs, all the leagues. Stop battling against each other and stop poaching from each other. Let's see what happens. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, this coming Thursday, CONCACAF will be having their FIFA World Cup qualifying draw. And once again, the second round clubs will be in five different pots. Once again, in round one, which will be this coming March, it will be all goal aggregate. Anguilla will be taking on Turks and Caicos. And the U.S. Virgin Islands will be taking on the British Virgin Islands. And the winners will be in pot five. So here are the five different pots for the draw this Thursday. You can watch streaming on FIFA Plus and whoever the broadcasters are, probably Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2. Also, Univision or on their TUDN channel. And here we go. In pot one, Panama, Costa Rica, Jamaica. Honduras, El Salvador, and Haiti. In pot two, 
Curaçao, Trinidad and Tobago, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Antigua and Barbuda, Suriname. Part 3, St. Kitts and Nevis, Dominican Republic, Guyana, Puerto Rico, St. Lucia, and Cuba. Part 4, Bermuda, St. Vincent Grenadines, Grenada, Montserrat, Barbados, and Dominica. And then Part 5, Belize, Aruba, Cayman Islands, Bahamas, and the winners of Anguilla, Turks and Caicos, and then the winner of the U.S. Virgin Islands or the British Virgin Islands. Six groups of five. We shall see who will be drawn with whom in the second round of the FIFA World Cup qualifications for CONCACAF. And then we'll hopefully, we will get that schedule ready for you. And hopefully, hopefully, we will be able to go out and have some fun for World Cup qualifying. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have some fun. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen for these World Cup qualifiers. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get ready as we are about to watch what is happening here for World Cup qualifying. Fun times, fun times, fun, fun, fun times. It's going to be exciting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my guests tonight. I would like to thank Mike Kuhn from Down the Byline. Excuse me. That's his Twitter. He's actually from the Kansas City Soccer Journal. And John Morrissey of the USL Show. Uh, follow him on Twitter as well, at, or X, at USL Tactics. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourselves listening to the show. Can't wait to talk to you next week about what's going to happen in American soccer and in football as well. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and have a good night. Bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.